0: Hello America, it's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today we have a president in the White House that uh, I believe the majority of Americans wish he wasn't there, and they firmly believe that he arrived there through fraudulent means. Well, you know that happened once before in our history of America. Back in 1824, there were four men who were running for president. Andrew Jackson received 99 electoral votes. John Quincy Adams received 84. William Crawford, 41, and Henry Clay, 37. Well, because nobody got a clear majority, they threw it into the House of Representatives. And there, uh, well, we had our Nancys and our Chuckies and Through finagling, they got the vote turned around, and Andrew Jackson was robbed. He was robbed. And John Quincy Adams became president, even though Andrew Jackson had received 99 electoral votes to uh, John Quincy Adams' 84. Well... No, I'm not against John Quincy Adams. In fact, he's one of my favorite people. I've already done several stories on him, right from when he was a little kid up until he was, after he was president and member of Congress. He was a great man. He was full of integrity. But I'm not saying that about the people who got him into office, Uh, especially since one of the main ones was Martin Van Buren. Now, I haven't done any stories about Martin Van Buren. He was our eighth president. I did a story once about integrity, our first seven presidents. Well, as you can see, Martin Van Buren just didn't make the cut. Anyway, when the count was made and John Quincy Adams was declared president, just like Donald Trump today... Andrew Jackson was a gentleman, and he stepped away. But then, four years later, he came back with a rush. The people spoke, and Andrew Jackson became the president of the people, the common man. They loved him. They adored him. Well, today's, today's lesson is its actually written by a gal who was there. Uh, Mrs. Samuel Harrison Smith. It was taken from her book, The First 40 Years of Washington Society. Now, remember back then, women could not vote. Uh, Women's suffrage was a lot of years in the future yet, but they could make their feelings known, and they made their feelings well, they were very much part of our society, and and uh, this story tells exactly what happened during the inauguration of the first people's president. They loved him. Washington, March 11th, Sunday, 1829. The inauguration was not a thing of detail or a succession of small incidents. No, it was one grand whole an imposing and majestic spectacle, and to a reflective mind one of moral sublimity. Thousands and thousands of people, without distinction of rank, collected in an immense mass around the capital, silent, orderly, and tranquil, with their eyes fixed on the front of that edifice, waiting the appearance of the president in the portico. The door of the rotunda opens, preceded by the marshals, surrounded by the judges of the Supreme Court. The old man with his gray locks, that crown of glory, he advances. He bows to the people who greet him with a shout that rends the air. The cannons from the heights around, from Alexandria and Fort Warburton, proclaim the oath he has taken and all the hills reverberate the sound. It was grand, it was sublime, An almost breathless silence succeeded, and the multitude was still, listening to catch the sound of his voice, though it was so low as to be heard only by those nearest to him. After reading his speech, the oath was administered to him by the Chief Justice, Then Marshall presented the Bible. The President took it from his hands, pressed his lips to it, laid it reverently down, then bowed again to the people, yes, to the people in all their majesty. And had the spectacle closed here, even Europeans must have acknowledged that a free people, collected in their might, silent and tranquil, restrained solely by a moral power, without a shadow around of military force, was majesty rising to sublimity and far surpassing the majesty of kings and princes surrounded with armies and glittering in gold. But I will not anticipate, but will give you an account of the inauguration in more detail. The whole of the preceding day Immense crowds were coming into the city from all parts. Lodgings could not be obtained. The newcomers had to go to Georgetown, which soon overflowed, and others had to go to Alexandria. I was told the avenue and adjoining streets were so crowded on Tuesday afternoon that it was difficult to pass. The backwoods had boiled over and spilled into Washington. Lean, roughly-dressed, profane backwoodsmen filled the city. Tobacco-chewing patriots from beyond the mountains with muddy boots, homespun clothes, and fur caps jostled the Tammany men from New York and the more polished Democrats from Virginia and Maryland. They stormed the inaugural procession at the White House in a way that horrified aristocratic observers. A national salute was fired early in the morning and ushered in the 4th of March. By 10 o'clock the avenue was crowded with carriages of every description, from the splendid coach down to wagons and carts, filled with women and children, some in finery, some in rags. For it was the people's president, and all would see him. The men all walked... Julia, Annie, Marie, and I, the other girls would not adventure, we accompanied by Mr. Wood, sent off before eleven, and followed the living stream that was pouring along to the capital. The terraces, the balconies, the porticos seemed, as we approached, already filled. We rode around the whole square, taking a view of the animated scene, then, leaving the carriage outside the palace lades, we entered the enclosed grounds, where we were soon joined by John Cranett and another gentleman, which offered each of us as a protector. We walked around the terrace several times, each turn, meeting groups of ladies and gentlemen whom we knew all with smiling faces. The day was warm and delightful. From the south terrace we had a view of Pennsylvania and Louisiana avenues, crowded with people hurrying toward the capitol. It was a most exhilarating scene. Most of the ladies, preferred being inside the Capitol, and the eastern portico, damp and cold as it was, had been filled from nine in the morning by ladies who wished to be near the general when he spoke. Every room was filled and the windows crowded, but as so confined a situation allowed no general view... We would not coop ourselves up and certainly enjoyed a much finer view of the spectacle, both in its whole and in its details, than within those walls. We stood on the south steps of the terrace. When the appointed hour came, we saw the general and his company advancing up the avenue, slow, very slow. So impeded was his march by the crowds thronging around him. Even from a distance he could be discerned from those who accompanied him, for he only was uncovered, the servant in the presence of his sovereign, the people. The south side of the Capitol Hill was literally alive with the multitude who stood ready to receive the hero and the multitude who attended him. "'There, there, that is he!' exclaimed different voices. Which? asked others. He with the white head was the reply. Ah! exclaimed others. There is the old man in his gray hair. There is the old veteran. There is Jackson! At last he enters the gate at the foot of the hill and turns to the road that leads around to the front of the capital. In a moment everyone who until then had stood like statues gazing on the scene below them rushed onward to right, to left, to be ready to receive him in the front. Our party, of course, were more deliberate. We waited until the multitude had rushed past us, and then left the terrace and walked around to the farthest side of the square, where there was no carriages to impede us, and entered in by the gate fronting the Capitol. Here was a clear space, and stationing ourselves on the capital gravel walk, We stood so as to have a clear, full view of the whole scene. The capital in all its grandeur and beauty, the portico and grand steps leading to it, were filled with ladies, scarlet, purple, blue, yellow, white draperies and waving plumes of every kind and color among the white pillars had a fine effect. In the center of the portico was a table covered with scarlet. Behind it... THE CLOSED DOOR LEADING INTO THE ROTUNDA. BELOW THE CAPITAL AND ALL AROUND, A MASS OF LIVING BEINGS, NOT A RAGGED MOB, BUT A WELL-DRESSED AND WELL-BEHAVED, RESPECTABLE AND WORTHY CITIZENS. MR. FRANK KEY, WHOSE ARM I HAD, AND AN OLD AND FREQUENT WITNESS OF GREAT SPECTACLES, OFTEN EXCLAIMED, AS WELL AS MYSELF, A MERE NOVICE, IT IS BEAUTIFUL, IT IS SUBLIME, The sun had been obscured through the morning by a mist or haziness, but the concussion in the air produced by the discharge of the cannon dispersed it, and the sun shone forth in all his brightness. At the moment the general entered the portico and advanced to the table, the shout that rent the air still resounds in my ears. When the speech was over and the president made his parting bow, The barrier that had separated the people from him was broken down, and they rushed up the steps, all eager to shake hands with him. It was with difficulty he made his way through the capital and down the hill to the gateway that opens in the avenue. Here, for a moment, he was stopped. The living mass was impenetrable. After a while, a passage was opened, and he mounted his horse, which had been provided for his return for he had walked to the capital. When such a courtage as followed him, the countrymen, farmers, gentlemen, mounted, dismounted, boys, women, children, black and white, carriages, wagons, and carts, all pursuing him to the President's house. This I only heard of, for our party went out at the opposite side of the square and went to Colonel Benton's lodgings to visit Mrs. Benton and Mrs. Gilmore. Here was a perfect levee, At least a hundred ladies and gentlemen, all happy and rejoicing. Wine and cake was handed in profusion. We sat with this company and stopped on the summit of the hill until the avenue was comparatively clear. Though at any other time we should have thought it terribly crowded. Streams of people on foot and in carriages of all kinds still pouring toward the President's house. We went home, found your papa and sisters at the bank, standing at the upper windows where they had been seen by the president, who took off his hat to them, which they insisted was better than all we had seen. From the bank to the president's house, for a long while the crowd rendered a passage for us impossible. Some went into the cashier's parlor, where we found a number of ladies and gentlemen and had cake and wine in abundance. In about an hour, the pavement was clear enough for us to walk. Your father, Mr. Wood, Mr. Ward, Mr. Lyon, with us, we set off to the President's house. But on a nearer approach, found an entrance impossible. The yard and avenue was compact with living matter. The day was delightful, the scene animating, so we walked backward and forward, at every turn meeting some new acquaintance and stopping to talk and shake hands among others we met dickinson dr almdorf mr samuel bad bradford we continued promenading here and until near 3 then we returned home unable to stand and threw ourselves on the sofa Someone came and informed us the crowd before the President's house was so far lessened that they thought we might enter. This time we effected our purpose. But what a scene did we witness! The majesty of the people had disappeared, and a rabble, a mob, of boys, negroes, women, children, scrambling, fighting, romping. What a pity! what a pity! No arrangements had been made, no police officers placed on duty, and the whole house had been inundated by the rabble mob. We came too late. The President, after having been literally nearly pressed to death and almost suffocated and torn to pieces by the people in their eagerness to shake hands with old hickory, had retreated through the back way or south front and had escaped to his lodgings at Gladsby's. Cut glass and China to the amount of several thousand dollars. Had been broken in the struggle to get refreshments. Punch and other articles had been carried out in tubs and buckets. But had it been in hogsheads, it would have not been enough sufficient to feed. They had ice creams and cake and lemonade for 20,000 people, for it is said that number were there though I think the estimate exaggerated. Ladies fainted, men were seen with bloody noses, and such a scene of confusion took place as impossible to describe. Those who got in could not get out by the door again, but had to scramble out the windows. At one time the president, who had retreated and retreated until he was pressed against the wall, could only be secured by a number of gentlemen forming around him and making a kind of barrier of their own bodies. And the pressure was so great that Colonel Bomford, who was one of them, said that at one time he was afraid they should have been pushed down or on the President. It was then the windows were thrown open and the torrent found an outlet, which otherwise might have proved fatal. This concourse had not been anticipated and therefore not provided against. Ladies and gentlemen only had been expected at this levy, not the people in mass, but it was the people's day and the people's president and the people would rule. God grant that one day or other the people do not put down all rule and rulers. I fear enlightened free men as they are, they will still be found, as they have been in all ages and countries, where they get the power in their hands, that of all tyrants they are the most ferocious, cruel, and despotic. The noisy and disorderly rabble in the president's house brought to my mind descriptions I had read of the mobs in Tulare and at Versailles. I expect to hear the carpets and furniture are ruined. The streets were muddy, and these guests all went thither on foot. Mrs. Samuel Harrison Smith the first 40 years of Washington Society. Well guys people aren't perfect and people get excited on January 6th we had a similar riot on our White House. People were excited. Well we can hope that this president will turn around maybe and make our country a little bit better, but I don't see that happening. But I do see in four years that Trump or a Trump-like person will come roaring back and will be the people's president again. Well, hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. It's a view in our history. We don't change much, and history repeats itself. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends. Speak with boldness and keep your powder dry.